Still in chapter nine of uh, chapter nine of, of Romans, and I want to start again reading a few verses that we've read in the past, just to remind you. Isaiah, Isaiah fifty-five, verse eight and nine. Isaiah fifty-five, verse eight and nine. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my way, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So it's not just that God's ways are different, or that God's ways are a little bit higher. They're a lot higher. As far as the heavens are above the earth, His ways, His thoughts are above ours. You know what that means? They're above ours, meaning that His are right, ours are wrong. If ours, our thoughts, our ways are in conflict with His thoughts and His ways, He's right, we're wrong. All right, um, let's look at, at, at uh, a couple of other verses here. Let's look at um, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that, what's that? The faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So God gives faith. Faith is not something that's inherent within us. God gives faith. God also gives a will to us. That's in Ephesians, that's in Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God's at work in you both to will and to work according to his good pleasure. So you see that that even our will, God is at work both to will and to work. Our will is from God. So if you think, well, you know, I, I have a free will. You have a free will within a domain like a three-year-old in a house. That you can you can stay within the boundaries of that house. And uh, you may be penned in into a room or something. Yeah, you have free will. But ultimately, the will is decided by the parents in that home. It's the same with God. He He is the one who ultimately controls our will. Okay, so let, let's start reading. We'll pick it up from... Let, let, let me just recap that this chapter is to vindicate God's righteousness. He's vindicating God's righteousness because after He gave us a bunch of promises in Romans chapter 9, one could think, well, what good are these promises? If you look at Israel... So much of Israel is not seeking God, and so so he the 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 uh, uh, God is going to be vindicated in this. And also, we read in chapter eight, he talked about predestination. So he says in verse twenty nine of chapter eight, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn of many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So he's going to expand on that in chapter 9 of the book of Romans. Now, remember, I want you to remember that... that, So I'm I'm Jewish. I came from a secular Jewish home. Uh, Jews do not normally read Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13, through Isaiah chapter 53. You hear a lot about Isaiah chapter 53. It actually starts in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13, all the way through Isaiah 53. So Jews often do not read it because it's a portion that's often skipped in the synagogues. And uh, uh, so many secular Jews never read the scriptures on their own. They're a lot like 
like uh, secular Christians. They, they only hear what they hear in church. Jews only hear what they hear in synagogue, secular Jews. And because of that, they don't read that portion. And, and, uh, but Orthodox Jews do. Orthodox Jews are often very diligent in reading on their own and working their way through. So it's, so there's a difference between the secular Jew and the Orthodox Jew. Uh, as there is a difference between the secular Christian and the Orthodox Christian, meaning that the Christian who, who really cares about the scriptures. Romans chapter 9 is a portion that many people like to skip. And they like to skip it because it, it, it bumps up against their, their, their preconceived theology. And so they like to skip Romans chapter 9. And we're going to look at it today. All right? We're going to study it today. And uh, just as Jews will, will often skip Isaiah 52, 13 through the end of Isaiah 53 because it looked so much like Jesus, and, and it was taught that that portion was about the Messiah until about 1,000 A.D. Rashi, who was a very respected rabbi, started teaching that that speaks of Israel, not so much of the Messiah. But uh, uh, prior to the coming of Jesus, that is, the, that is the way it was taught. But in any case, let's start reading from Romans chapter 9, verse 6. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For they are not of Israel who are descended from Israel, nor are they all children, because they are Abraham's descendants. But through Isaac your descendants will be named. That is, it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise who are regarded as descendants. For this is not the, for this is the word of, of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but there was Rebekah also. When she conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac, for though the twins were not yet born and had done, had not done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose according to his choice would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls. It was said to her, the older will serve the younger. Just as it is, as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Okay, so, verse 6. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. <clears throat> so what he did in the first portion of, of, of chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, he started talking about all the blessings that came upon Israel. started talking about how much he wants to see Israel saved. And then in verse 4 and 5, all the blessings that came upon Israel. Then you say, well, what's happened? The word of God never was, was, was really fulfilled in their lives. Well, it says in verse 6, but it is not as though the word of God has failed. Actually, if you look in the Young's literal translation, the way it's written in my Bible is actually a softened version. Young's literal says, it is not possible that the word of God hath failed. It is not possible that the word of God hath failed. <clears throat> this word is impossible. It's impossible for this word to fail. Remember, heaven and earth conform to the word of God. It's not like in science where we chase the universe to try to figure out what's going on. This book defines what happens. This book defines what happens. It is impossible. <clears throat> it is not possible that the word of God has failed. <clears throat> it's not possible that the word of God has failed. Not possible. That's what he says in verse 6. So what he says is <clears throat> he immediately puts a stop to this. We start thinking, oh, well, God, look, look at this. God's word's not fulfilled. And he says, that, that's impossible. It is not possible that the word of God has failed. Impossible for the word of God to fail. <clears throat> and when you go in with that understanding, then many things are enlightened to us. He says, for they are, <clears throat> they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel. So what he distinguishes is not all of Israel 
is 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 the the Israel that is going to be saved because if you jump on down to verse 27 of the same chapter Romans chapter 9 verse 27 says <clears throat> Isaiah cries out concerning Israel though the number of the sons of Israel be like the sand of the sea it is the remnant that will be saved he is quoting from the prophet Isaiah he says the remnant it is the remnant that will be saved not all Israel not all present Israel is saved. It is the remnant of Israel that will be saved. He said, unless the Lord of Sabbath had left to us a posterity, we would have become like Sodom and we would resemble Gomorrah. How many got saved out of Sodom and Gomorrah? Zero. Zero. They all perished. <clears throat> they all perished. So Lot <clears throat> and his family were not originally from Sodom and Gomorrah. They got out, but everybody else died. Everybody else so if we look back in Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3 verse 11 says, <clears throat> uh, um, we'll start reading at verse 10, Romans chapter 3 verse 10. There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after, who seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become useless. There is none who is good. There is not even one. <clears throat> There is nobody who seeks after God. That's what that means. It's not like, well, there's some that are pretty good and there's some that aren't. He says right here, nobody is seeking after God. In Israel too, nobody is seeking after God. But he says there's a remnant that's going to be saved. So when you look at the nation of Israel today, if you go to Israel today, most people are not following the word of God. And in fact, there's only 1%, 1%, of, of Jews alive today, about 150,000 out of 15 million, are Messianic Jews, meaning that they believe Jesus is the Messiah. There is salvation in no one else. It doesn't matter whether you are a descendant of Abraham or not. The scriptures are clear. Without Jesus, you cannot be saved. There is only one way to heaven, and that's through his son, Jesus Christ, and the acceptance of that. <clears throat> so he says, you're, you're looking at it the wrong way. You're just looking at the majority of Israel. No, there is a remnant that is saved. And he gives the example. And he says, if I, uh, Abraham, he says, Abraham had, had a son, Ishmael. He had another son, Isaac. Now, after, after the death of, of Sarah, he ended up uh, marrying Keturah and he had a number of other sons. But <clears throat> he says, you look at Ishmael and you look at Isaac. These were two brothers. He chose Isaac and he didn't choose Ishmael. So he says in verse 8, that is, it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. So in other words, in order to be a Jew, you have to be a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's no other way to, 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 uh, to be a, to, to be a Jew. You, now you can accept the Jewish practices. But scripturally, to be a Jew is to be a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You ask a Jew today, they, they're, they're clueless on really what, what, what constitutes it, many of them. Not the Orthodox, but many other Jews, many secular Jews are, are clueless. But he says here, he says here, it, it, the scriptures are clear, you have to be a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So you really have to be a descendant of Jacob. But here he says, that's not enough. Physical descendancy is not enough. You also have to be among those that are chosen. He says, he, there was one son, it's in verse 9, at this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And some may argue, okay, well, they had different mothers. Ishmael 
Ishmael's mother was Hagar. Sarah's, um, Isaac's mother was Sarah. So he gives another example where there's twins. They both have the same mother and the same father. He gives this example in verse 10. And not only this, but there was Rebekah also when she had conceived by one man, our father Isaac. So she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac. And it's very interesting. The Bible makes it very clear. She conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac. Because it is possible to have fraternal twins from two different fathers. It is possible, and it does happen on rare occasions. And it's it's it's, uh, um, it's when there are two eggs available, and say say there there there's been insemination uh, uh, by by two different people in close succession. It happens often in dogs, uh, where there's many eggs available, and there there's 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 uh, uh, many sires, and you can often have from a single birth different different uh, <coughs> fathers. To that, to that, uh, Mike. We got somebody who's unmuted there. If you could mute them, please, <clears throat> Mike. All right. So um, uh, let's see. The, the, then, um, so so he makes it very clear. <clears throat> they were twins by one man, our father Isaac. For though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose, according to His choice, would stand. Not because of works, but because of him who calls. This word choose or choice is sometimes substituted as election. Depends what English version you're reading. Uh, it can be election or it can be chosen. So God chose one. And so you say, well, <clears throat> God does this based on the characteristics of what the person does in their life. So, so Paul is putting that to rest here. He says, that can't be. He says, they were chosen before they were even born. He says, for though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose according to his choice would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls. It was based on him who calls. Now remember, if this doesn't sit well with you, it's your problem, not God's. Okay? doesn't sit well with me, it's my problem, not God's. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts which means they're right, I'm wrong. <clears throat> That's what he says here. And he says, It was said to her, The older will serve the younger. <clears throat> Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. This this chapter 9 is just a quote fest by Paul. He is just quoting the Old Testament over and over again. In verse 7 he quotes Genesis in verse 9, he quotes Genesis. In verse 12, he quotes Genesis. <clears throat> Here in verse, uh, in, in, uh, he quotes again. He, he, say, he says in uh, Malachi, in verse 13, he quotes from Malachi chapter 1, verse 2. Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. <clears throat> you, can't, you can't pass this up to, oh, well, he loves one more than the other. No, it says, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. I know English scriptures like to say, well, he loved more one more than the other. No, to love means to choose. To not love means to not choose. That's what it means. <clears throat> so he says, you know, th- this has nothing to do with how they were born. He says, God chose one and not the other. You see why many believers don't like to focus on this chapter? Because it bothers them. It bothers them because they're caught up with man or woman's free will. 
Now, there is human responsibility, which we're going to learn out, learn about in the, in, in the remainder, in the end of this chapter. Then he goes on to verse 14. He's not done with us yet. What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? May it never be. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I raised you up, to demonstrate my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. So then he has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. So, he asks a question. Whenever he asks a question, he's lining it up to give us an answer. So, he says, what shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? This question could not be asked. It could not be asked unless he was, he was teaching election based not on human merit, but on faith. I'm sorry but on God, but on election. Election is not based on human merit. He can't ask this question. There is no injustice with God. You would only ask this question if you say, you know, is this fair? Is this fair? Only if he's teaching election, apart from human merit, could you even ask this question. This question would make no sense any other way. Now remember, if what I'm saying bothers you, this is not me. I'm not saying it. The Word of God is saying it. You know, so what you should really be worried about is that if I stop teaching the Word of God, if I skip this chapter, that you should really worry about. Or if I read a verse and tell you it means something the opposite of what it says, then you should really start worrying. So if this bothers you, then then, uh, um, just remember, it's not me, it's the Bible. And you can take out the penknife of Jehoiakim and cut this thing out, Or you can say, this chapter is there in the Word of God. I've got to look at it. So then he, then he goes on to say, he says, uh, he says, there's no injustice with God, is there? And then he says, may it never be the strongest words of Greek negation. You can't say it. No way. No way. There is no injustice with God. Just as he said further up, uh, it's not as, it, it is impossible that the Word of God has failed. It's impossible. He says, there's no injustice with God. Remember, we've got to conform our minds to understand how great is our God. There is no injustice with him. There is no way his word can fall to the ground. We're used to looking at other people where there's lots of injustice, where lots of words that we say fall to the ground. Not God. He is God. We are not. Then he he goes on to say, he takes the example of Moses. He says of Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. <clears throat> God is the one who decides the one who he's going to have mercy upon. So then it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. Whoa! <clears throat> you mean it doesn't depend on my will? Boy, that's a novel thought. It doesn't depend on the man who wills. Could God have been more explicit? I mean, come on. Well, it really depends on the wills. God says, oh, it does not depend on the man who wills. Oh, okay. 
But if a guy works really hard, it must depend on that. God says, or the man who runs. Doesn't depend on that. But on God who has mercy. That's who it depends on. Now, you can skip this chapter, just like Jews skip Isaiah 52, 13 through all of 53. You can do that. Or you can say, maybe my theology, maybe my feeling, maybe my way is different than God's way. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you, that my name may be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. God raised up Pharaoh specifically for for God's name to be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. And it was. Forty years after the incident with Pharaoh, when they're coming into the land, when when, uh, when, when, uh, they're being brought into the land by Joshua, it says the people of the land were saying they they feared them. This is this is these are the people who who God who who God delivered from Egypt when He drowned Pharaoh's soldiers in in the sea and all of these plagues. I mean, they knew about this, but God hardened Pharaoh. You say, well, why did God harden Pharaoh? Because God can harden whoever He wants. But remember, Pharaoh was hard to begin with. Long before God Pharaoh God hardened Pharaoh. Pharaoh was already hard. He was already hard on the on, on the Israelites. They they had uh, asked to to, uh, to he was he was he had them be slaves. Didn't care about them. And then he starts saying, you know, give them uh, don't, don't give them any straw. They got to make their own brick. So God hardens the man who's already hardened. It's just like the concept that we have in the New Testament: whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. And you don't reap. When you sow a seed, you sow one seed, you get like 10,000 seeds of corn from this one seed. You don't reap as much as you've sown. You always reap more than you've sown. That's the principle of sowing and reaping. You reap more than you sow. If you are cruel, cruelty comes upon your life. It just does. Press down, shaken together, and running over. It will come upon your life. If you have a judgmental spirit, the Bible says it will come upon you. Press down, shaken together, running over. If you are a parent... And you are you are uh, um, you, you are selfish with your children. You're selfish with your family. When they grow up, those kids won't even want to come back and stay in your house. They won't. They'll come and visit that town. They'll stay in somebody else's house because it just comes right back to you. If you are kind, if you are gracious, <clears throat> graciousness falls upon you. And I see this all the time. I see this all the time in my wife. She is so giving. This woman just gives away so much. She wakes up in the morning with lists of things to do for people. And people bless her so much. Over and over again, people bless her. And so what I do is I try to just stay close to her so that <clears throat> what falls out of her lap, I, I can catch. <clears throat> but I see this. When you are gracious, when you are kind, this sort of thing comes back upon you. When you are not gracious, when you are not forgiving, when you are not kind... You get it back, but it's never one for one. It's like 10,000 to one. You say, why is my life like this? Why is it so terrible? <clears throat> just think of something, think of things you've done to others. And just coming back. He hardened Pharaoh. You know, they say that as you get older, <clears throat> you just become more of what you already are. So, you know, if you're grumpy, you just become more grumpy. And, uh, um, so, so, Pharaoh he hardened. 
In verse verse 18, so then he has mercy on whom he desires and he hardens whom he desires. <clears throat> now verse 19, this is really an important verse. You will say to me then, <clears throat> why does he still find fault? For who resists his will? On the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded would not say to the molder, <clears throat> why have you made me like, like this, will it? Or does not the potter have the right over the clay? to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable and another for common use. What if God, willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? And and, And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. <clears throat> okay, so this is really a good question. You will say to me in verse 19, why does he still find fault? For who resists his will? If God is in control of everything, and he is in control of our will, how can he find fault in us? Because he's in control of everything. Who resists his will? That's a really good question. That's a really good question. <clears throat> I thought it was a good question. <clears throat> And unfortunately, Paul does not answer that question. It goes unanswered. And if you look at Jesus, there were many times Jesus was asked questions and he didn't answer them. This question goes unanswered. And he goes right back to the relationship of man and God. He says, you don't understand even the nature of the relationship. He is the potter, we're the clay. Can a potter take from the same lump of clay make an honorable vessel that's going to go maybe hold the showbread in the temple? And can he take from the same lump of clay and make something that's going to hold manure, something like that? The answer is yes, he can. He can do that. He doesn't answer the question that he himself asks. You'll say to me, why does he still find fault for who resists his will? He says, on the contrary, you don't understand. The creator and the creation relationship. So I have read a lot about this passage in order to teach it. This is not at all hard to teach. It is very hard for people to receive. And I have read how commentators say that they wrestled with with chapter 9 of Romans for years because they were so intent that man's will dominates. And Romans chapter 9 flips it on its head. And so for a while they wanted to avoid this chapter, just like Jews avoid chapter 53 of Isaiah, 52, 13 through the end of Isaiah 53. But it doesn't go away. It stays there. It stays there. They wrestled with this and wrestled with this. And they begrudgingly came along. I'll give you my own experience from Romans chapter 9. And this whole thing of God being sovereign. This whole teaching of chosen or election. I had zero trouble with this. Zero. I didn't have any. I had no trouble with this. Not that I was taught election as a young believer growing up. No, not at all. I was taught in campus ministry and in Bible churches and everything. This portion and these portions around it. As I started to meditate on this portion and study it and then look at complementary verses you will see the New Testament dripping, just absolutely dripping of 
this concept of election. <clears throat> I had zero trouble with it. And you know why? Because I love the Word of God. And it's true. I love the Word of God. I didn't have to wrestle, oh, oh, this is so hard. No, I'm wrong. God's way is higher than my way. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. He is right. I am wrong. That's it. And and there are these portions in the scriptures that we have to think about. So I want you to I want to wrap up with a couple of portions. Deuteronomy chapter thirty-two, verse verse forty-six. And he said to them, Deuteronomy thirty-two forty-six. So Moses is summing up forty years of instruction. How do you summarize forty years of instruction? Here's how you do it. Moses says, "Take to your heart all the words with which I am warning you today." which you shall command your sons to observe carefully even all the words of this law. For it is not an idle word for you, indeed it is your life. And by this word you will prolong your days in the land which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. He says, you take this word and you observe it carefully. It's not an idle word for you, it is your life. These scriptures are our life. And just avoiding this and thinking, well, it argues, it goes against what I've always believed. Well, you've always believed wrong, maybe. <clears throat> maybe you've always believed wrong. Maybe that's just the way it is. This happens to me all the time. I read the scriptures all the time. I'm like, uh-oh, that's wrong in my life. I mean, that happens to me all the time. It's not a miracle that we're wrong. We're wrong all the time. When's the last exam that you took that you got every problem right? There, you see, you're wrong all the time. It happens. So, so, he says the word of God is right. Now, let me, let me give you an example where people heard a word and they didn't like it and they ended up leaving the Lord because it just didn't smack with what they, they liked. So turn to John, turn to John chapter 6. Jesus is teaching about the bread of life and he is teaching about, he's instituting the Lord's Supper. In, in, in this sense of just talking about, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm this, you gotta partake of me. It's not the institution of the Lord's Supper, that actually came later. But he's talking about this thing. In, in John chapter 6, verse 57. John 6, 57. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven. Not as your fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue, and as he taught. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a difficult statement, who can listen to it? So they had trouble with this. He who eats of me is going to live forever? I mean, it's kind of a difficult statement, right? So you'd think Jesus would say, oh, oh, let me just, just calm down. You know, I'm just speaking allegorically, don't go away, you know, I don't want you... No, Jesus didn't do that at all. It says he knew that they, they were having trouble with this. So here's what he did. The next verse, he says, But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said, Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The word that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who did not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe, and who it was who was to betray him. And as he was saying, for this reason I have said to you, that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Many of his disciples took off. You want to do that? Because chapter 9 doesn't, you know, conform to what you like? 
You know what Jesus says? Did he, you, you know what he said to these people that left? He didn't say, oh, oh come on back. You know, we, we're building a church here. We got to have you back. He said nothing to them. He let them leave. Now, I'm not Jesus. I love you. I hope you stay. But I'm telling you, the word of God is going to prevail. It is right. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And then look at what Jesus says. He let those guys go. And then he says, so he said to the twelve, you do not want to go away also, do you? You guys want to leave? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. There are many things that we will read in the Scriptures. If you are a student of the Scriptures, many things you will read that you do not understand. Many things. Happens all the time. When I have some simpleton say, you know, oh, this is a controversy in the Bible. And they tell me what it is. It's so easy to deal with. And I'm thinking, that's nothing compared to the things that I see that I don't understand. Now, I don't mention it to them. I'm just saying I struggle with stuff all the time. And you know what Jesus says? You want to go away? No, Lord, you're the best. You're the best. You have words of eternal life. Where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? To Satan? I mean, where am I going to go? You have words of eternal life. And I've come to believe and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank and we praise you because you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And you're... Your word is always right. Lord, we are wrong. You are right. Your ways are higher than our ways. Teach us your ways. And Father, I thank you for the truth of this word. I thank you, Lord, for the truth of this word. Continue to teach us your ways. Continue to teach us your ways. And Lord, draw, draw in those, those ones, the elect. Draw them in. Save their souls. Oh God, I pray. Save their souls. Draw them in. Lord, your grace be here. Your grace abound. Father, strengthen the body of Christ, I pray, for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Year. Which to some people they would like that. To me, I was just one a week. Sometimes more than one a week. When I understood election. Yeah. 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 I was sure with my dad because my dad's a pastor of a small church. Um, yeah. In, you know, by the border. Oh, yeah. He's going to tell you to stop coming here. <laughs> no, 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 no. My dad's pretty, he, like, I, I've always kind of read yeah. something that's, like, contradictory to our church. I'm like, mm-hmm. Dad, why? And then, like, we'll All talk right. about it. He's okay. Like, hey. You know what you can do, too? You can get these last four, these last three weeks that I've taught, mm-hmm. plus next week, and s- they're all online. I've recorded these and send it to him. Say, Dad. <laughs> What do you think of this? This is what I'm being taught. What do you think? Let, let him hear me say it. Sure. Okay, and then yeah, I don't wanna... <clears throat> it'll it'll reflect the problem from you. Okay. You know, you know what I mean? That's and then idea. then you can have the conversation and, and he's not contesting you. Exactly. Exactly. I don't mind it though. I love no, no, it. Right, like, right. Yeah. Sensitive. Yeah. It's a sensitive subject. So yeah. so let it let it just ride with it. What was your YouTube again? A DR James tour. Okay. This is my YouTube channel. Okay. Subscribe. Okay. Subscribe. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. thank you. Okay. Thank you. All right, see ya. Come for lunch if you can. Yes, yes. This might be a conversation for a longer time, but I was 
So I totally agree with like what you're saying. I think it's clearly what he wants to communicate. And an alternative solution doesn't really exist to begin with. If God causes everything to exist, I mean, like our preferences yeah. are shaped by our experiences and what, the, like, what God has put us in, what environment, uh -huh. and so on. So there's no, there's no way that God doesn't have priority yes. in who we are. Um, but I was wondering. It seems like when Paul, I don't think. My from Paul's letters, I think he speaks optimistically about people's election. I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna let, let me just sign off this thing. It is never. Um, he can never like confidently say to a person, "You are definitely elect." And the reason why I think that's the case. I, is, I agree. Yeah, I agree. But because like a letter like Galatians, he says to the Galatians, "The Spirit came among you." You receive this message by faith. The Spirit is working miracles among you. I'm not trying to rush you. The Spirit is what? Like he says, that, did you receive the Spirit by, by works of the law? Uh -huh. By faith. And like the answer is obvious. Right. Um, is the one working miracles among you, the Spirit of God, doing so by faith or by works of the law? By faith. Um, have you, beginning in faith, have you now decided to become perfected by the law? Mm -hmm. um, did you, you know, did you endure all these things for nothing, if indeed it was for nothing? And so, like, he really seems to be talking to these people, like, you you genuinely be began in faith. The Spirit was among you. Uh -huh. He did all these things. Okay. And he's terrified that they might not actually remain in this, and that they might they might return to... Uh, to the law. To the old covenant, yeah. To the law. Yeah. And the old covenant now has no power to save, because... Even though faith and you know faith and the law went together, but I don't think he ever teaches that you're going to lose your salvation. When he talks about saving, he, so so you you see this you see this in uh, in Hebrews. You see this in Hebrews. He's talking about their physical life. So in other words, when you go back under the law, you're going to go live in Jerusalem. You, you need to go go back and listen to my teaching on Hebrews. When he says that that uh, um, these were Jews that if they were going to go back into Jerusalem, this was shortly before the attack. He's warning the writer to he, he was just warning them: you go back under the law, you're going to die physically. You're going to end up back in Jerusalem. You're going to end up back under this, and you're going to die. Okay. He's never teaching that you're going to lose your salvation, which just wars against so many other scriptures. You see what I'm saying? Well, that's a physical death. I think the main component of the Paul teaches about salvation is probably the continual salvific aspect. I mean, justification only really shows up as a focus in Romans and Galatians, um, and so I think most of his like ministry is about making sure these churches continue in. Like in, in Corinth, he's not. There's nothing about justification in the whole letter. It's like, why are you doing all these destructive things? Why are you causing your brothers to stumble, return to idolatry? Why, you know, um, what was it, it in Second Corinthians? It, 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 I yeah. agreed. A lot of it is practical. That's yeah. what, that's what he does in in, in other epistles. It's yeah. just dealing with the how do you practically live? Yes. Conversation for another time, probably, because I have to run some service. But, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. No. No. But I. But. But. But we. Should, yeah. We should. Talk. I, I'm not a theologian, so I'm not very good at this. So if you're expecting some great answers, you're not going to get it. You know, I. I. I study a lot. A portion that I'm going to teach. Yeah. That. That's where I really. But I'm not a theologian. Well, 
I'm a chemist. God is called the lowly in, in the world. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think, I think we're more qualified than, than we might expect. Okay. We're probably less qualified than, than sometimes we might feel. So. Okay. Thank you. Thank See you. you. See you later. I'll try to come for lunch. Okay. Lunch Good. Good.